Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. Okay, Erica Barney, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Brett. Good to be here. Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, you know, just uh, getting into the new year. Now, where are you coming from? So I'm in Lafayette, Indiana, because my last stop of coaching was at Purdue. So still in Lafayette, living in, you know, the Midwest and the cold, for sure. Yeah, listen, uh, last time I had any real contact with you, you were coaching in Purdue at the at the women's team there. I think that was around um, 2018 was the last time yeah. we, we connected, but hadn't seen you in a few years. So what uh, what's happened in your life? Where's the big change been? Oh my gosh, that's a that's an hour long conversation right there. <laughs> uh, so I left coaching yet yeah, right around when you said the fall of 2018, which in a coaching college coaching world is not the most ideal time to leave. But man, I was I was fried. I had been coaching Division One swimming for 13 years. I had been a head coach at age 26. Um, I was I was fried, and I'm sure you can relate to that over and over, constant years in and years out. And so I decided it was it was time to leave. Right. The job wasn't for me anymore and I wasn't right for the job. I couldn't give the team the hours and hours they needed from me and I couldn't give my family what they deserved. So I was constant in anxious state trying to figure out where to give that time. Right. It just mm -hmm. I, I could never please anyone. And that just unpleased me more than anything. And I was yep. so frustrated. And so something had to change. And so I was able financially to walk away from my job. And I had this idea of, of helping people with their nutrition because all through my coaching career, and especially in my later years, as I gained more knowledge on food, I got so frustrated. And you might be able to relate to this. When we would talk about nutrition at, at Purdue, we'd bring the men and the women in, you know, sometimes together and every once a year or so, or a couple times a year, you get the nutrition talk, right? Mm -hmm. But my frustration was, why are we teaching the six foot eight male and the five foot one female the same thing about food? This makes no sense to me because mm -hmm. they need to fuel their bodies different ways. So all throughout my time, and especially at Purdue, I was working with um, the women a lot on food and people that just struggled for performance, for um, just making it through workout. They'd just be exhausted or in, in fitness. Fitness is, you know, something women struggle with usually a little bit more um, than, than men. So we would work on fitness and they would have success because we would work on it one-on-one -on -one individually. And so John, the head coach there said, hey, can you work with some of these other women? And then pretty soon women were coming to me and their parents were emailing me and all of a sudden somebody said to me once you should like really do this <laughs> and I thought whoa maybe someday and so then you know that kind of sparked in my brain when I left and it just it really rolled from there um, I brought I took that like individual personalized nutrition approach to working with clients and I started out with family and friends and they told their family and friends and their family and friends and pretty soon it evolved into me publishing a cookbook working with Olympic level athletes all over the world um, writing personal nutrition plans for people athletes and non-athletes like I work with people like you know I'll list some of the athletes I worked with but you know high level athletes all the way to like 85 year old women and it's cool just you're helping people you're still coaching you still get that mm -hmm. coaching vibe right but I'm helping people in a different way and it's it's improving their life as an athlete as a non-athlete it's it's just really fulfilling on my end and I know I'm I'm helping them so 
what the big program I run with my athletes is called my genetic reboot program. And we test 37 genes. We figure out how your body best tapers, how your body best loses weight, how your body best holds onto muscle, how you can best build muscle, what athletic gene you are. You're the sprinter, the endurance gene, the mixed gene. We find out vitamin deficiencies. We find out food sensitivities. So what should you eat before meat? The whole big pasta meal thing and the myth, you know, the carbo load before, is that really good for somebody that has a high carb sensitivity? No, not at all. So we work on what to eat pre-workout, post-workout, between sessions to really help them feel their best, reduce inflammation, reduce the bloating, the garbage feeling and help them sustain. You know, if they can train better, they can perform better. So some of the people that I've worked with, I mean, some of the bi the bigger names that you would recognize and other people watching would recognize would be um, Caleb Dressel, Kirsten Mites out of Purdue's pro. She's, she's awesome kid. Caleb's just been a dream. He's just so fun to work with. Just such a great kid. I really enjoyed. I've learned a lot from him and just his approach to how to be excellent. It's really cool. Um, he introduced me to Elizabeth Beisel. So now we're working together and Jonathan Tiber and Niles Mitch Glasson all out of Florida. Um, gosh, Bella Hinley, the Duluth ladies, all the Duluth girls, Megan Kingsley, Sherelle Thompson, and then some college athletes that, you know, I really shouldn't name because I don't want to mm. endanger their eligibility at all, <laughs> but kids at Stanford, Virginia, Florida state, um, some pro baseball players, some pro track athletes. So well, well, I mean, I think what you're saying basically is this is a huge topic and this is like, there's a huge so, need out there as well. I mean, okay. if you're dealing with Caleb Dressel, who's regarded as the greatest swimmer in, in the world right now yeah for and sure. he's taking this seriously uh look honestly um uh, as you know i work for fitter and faster and i do swim clinics all around the country and one of the biggest yeah. topics every time we go and do a clinic is you know questions we get is what do i eat before practice what do i eat before a, a, a big meat mm -hmm. um you know what do i eat after practice you know so the food topics come up a lot in terms of like people really don't have an understanding of what they should eat, when they should eat, um, mm. how they should eat it, um, why they're eating it. You know, they don't even know why that, what they're putting in their bodies and why they're putting it in. Um, and so this is such a huge issue. So I'm really glad to get you on the podcast today to kind of dig into it a little bit. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's really been a cool thing. And I've only got my hands on the DNA tool for about a year. And it really happened because I had been working with Gabby Deloof on personal nutrition for gosh, probably three, four months. And we just couldn't seem to nail it down. You know, we were looking back, we were playing a guessing game almost in a way, right? What's good for her, how she felt best. You know, I had her logging, we were trying to figure it out. And she, I said, D Gabby, I, I know this DNA thing. Let me check it out and let's see if you're interested in, in doing it. Let me see what it's like. So her and I both did it and we found something in her DNA that was life-changing. I mean, just mm -hmm. not just as an athlete, but as an individual. So once we got some things out of her diet and put the right things in, no joke on her whoop, she was recovering 30 to 40% better in a day. Wow. And so a couple of my pro baseball players too have had this certain gene pop up on the DNA test, which is a huge deal. And they have told me the exact same thing, you know, somewhere between 25 to 40% better. They're recovering every day. Can you imagine as an athlete, Brett, if you're recovering that mm. much better every day, yeah. I mean, you can just be a better athlete. It's absolutely a game changer to figure it out. So, it's, so what it's is the DNA test exactly? What do you, what do you do? How much does it cost and what kind of results do you get? 
So it's, it's just so affordable. It's 219 bucks, uh-huh. 219 bucks for that amount of results. Awesome. So how it works is I ship out the kit. I drop ship it from a company in Texas okay. that makes it. Um, they, you swab your cheek. It's a cheek swab. So you do mm-hmm. it with three different samples and then you send it to a lab in Washington. So it's HIPAA protected. They can't sell your data. They can't share your data. Mm-hmm. Um, those other like ancestry.com ones, they sell all your info. So <laughs> they store it. Yeah. So this one's HIPAA safe which helps a lot of people um, feel comfortable and I don't even get the results so they have to share those with me through a a secure email so that you know that's that's safe that's their data and I take their privacy super um, really seriously and I have asked every one of those athletes I mentioned if I can share that we've worked together and I never you know I always want them to feel comfortable sharing some really personal data you know with Mm -hmm. me and so I never want to repeat any of that. And I want them to feel comfortable with that. But it's, I mean, we spend probably two hours at, you know, somewhere between one and two hours on a zoom. Once the results come in, going over it, I send them an action plan because they're leaving like overwhelmed, right. With all this information. So I send them an action plan of the most important things they need to do first, what things to remove from their diet. Maybe it's, they have to do more active rest, cool down you know, that that we see is going to help them the best, which isn't real fun gene to have, but it's there. Um, What what do you mean by gene? Like, what does it tell you exactly? So the results come in different, in different fashions. So if we're talking about like the recovery gene, right, the recovery gene, I can't remember the exact AC212. I think it's AC212. It tells us, do you recover slow? Do you recover medium? Do you recover fast? So that's really, it can tell you that from your gene. Mm -hmm. So And everyone, and I tell them like, you might be experiencing this because you have the slow recovery gene and they go, oh my gosh, yes. That's why I struggle in Irvine when it's a hundred degrees out and it's senior nationals and I can't, I can't function because you, you uh, dehydrate more quickly. You can't deal with high heat, high humidity very well. So how do we combat that? If we're going to San Antonio for a meet and it's 120 degrees out, you know, we, t- we can talk about that, but yeah, we can see that even the mental, emotional um, side mood stuff, we can see all of that and relate really? things back to heart disease, cancers, um, different, um, like, um, I would say mental, mental mood disorders, you know, we mm. can you know, diagnose anything, but we can say, is there a history of anxiety, depression? Okay. Here's some things we can do naturally to help you boost that mood because we see you're low in this, your body can't produce the things it needs to, to help you feel better. So it's, how do you know what to change once you get the result that says, Hey, you're, um, you know, you're susceptible to this or deficient in that. How do you know what to tweak then? So it'll tell us, um, say, if we're talking about vitamin B9, which Uh is the folate, um, is the natural source of folate, which other people know of as folic acid, right? This is one that I tell people when you have gene mutations on this gene, you just got your money's worth because to know this, the rest of your life is life changing. So on the MTHFR gene, it's going to tell us if you're slightly deficient, if you're Um, really deficient in it. And so then we know, okay, we need to remove folic acid from your diet. It tells us that. Okay. And just Uh my knowledge out of food and nutrition tells me this, (laughs) and we need to get real folate in your body for you know, could, that's an hour long conversation of what, what your body does when you have that gene mutation. But um, we, we know kind of where to, to go from that. So we take the DNA, 
we pair it with a lifestyle and health questionnaire, like what medications are you taking? Um, it's about a 10 minute questionnaire. So we can put all three pieces to the, of the pie together, right? The family history, maybe there's Alzheimer's in the family. So then we know we need to think about um, some, some antioxidants and then can we do that in a clean way? Everything I suggest supplementation wise is always NSF safe. And if somebody's taking things as an athlete, we always review what they're taking. If there's anything they're taking that isn't safe. I say, I can't ethically tell you that this is safe. You, I would suggest you look at a different supplement that's going to be helpful for you. And how can we get this through food too? So we kind of get a double whammy going. Yeah. I, I found that too, is like, sometimes you go into, you know, um, the men's locker room and there's just supplements everywhere. And you're like, where'd you get that? Why are you taking that? And they have no real understanding of where the supplements come from, why they're taking them. They just see other people in the locker room filling up their lockers with supplements. And so right. they think, Oh, I've got to take that and I've got to do this. And so there's a, a real lack of understanding of yeah. why they're actually taking something. And, and like you're saying, it could actually be detrimental to them because totally. it could be working against them, right? Absolutely. So if somebody has the MTHFR gene mutation, which is the, the folate, if they're taking a multivitamin or a protein powder or, a, you know, kind of a ready to drink protein shake, like Ensure or Boost, which is cheap and it's, it's fairly common to see people take those, you know, you're doing a lot of damage to your body. So mm -hmm. knowing what you actually should use, it, it's actually saves you money because you're not mm -hmm. just pounding all this stuff like beta alanine. I think Every male, especially I've talked to takes beta alanine, mm -hmm. but they've never loaded it properly. So I say, where did you, where did you learn to take this? Oh, mm -hmm. some strength coach told me to take it, but they've yep. never gone through the correct loading phase and they, they don't even know. 100%. So we, we, yeah. we work through that. Right. And we, I just want to educate people too. So that's part of the program with me is I want you to learn about your body. I want you to learn what to ingest and not to ingest and what these supplements are doing for you or against you. It's so fascinating, isn't it? When you start to treat your body like a formula one race car, uh, you start to get the results <laughs> at a much higher level. You don't realize how much you can manipulate your body to get greater results. You know, you think to yourself, well, if I'm, if I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm drinking water. Um, you know, I feel like I'm, I've gone above and beyond, but you don't realize that um, diet manipulation can really have a massive effect on your performance. And, oh. you know, so I, this is really interesting to me too, because I, I, felt the same frustrations you felt at Auburn university. We had, really? yeah, I mean, we had great people around us, but it was just that um, kind of uh, you know, everybody one size fits all type routine of like, Hey, eat this, um, do this. And it was, it was very simple. It was kind of like a couple right. of times a year, they might get uh, a lesson. And, um, and then, and then there's that feeling, especially of like, you know, the guys, the girls think the guys can eat whatever they want. And the guys think the girls can't, you know, it's like this male and female, they start working against each other. Whereas the system that you're taking is more of an individual approach to say, Hey, this is what's best for you. We're not, we're not concerned with what everybody else is doing. We're, we're looking directly at you and how we can get the best performance for you. Right. 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 And I know when you travel or you're part of a college team, right? You, you're not going to have the resources to give, say you tested everyone on the Auburn team, right? You mm -hmm. can't give every single person what they need, but at least they know when there's a, a meal the night before SECs 
right? And they, they'll know what to kind of pick more of and less of. Um, they'll know what to pack in their bags, what supplements or not supplements, but um, bars or chews or proteins that are going to be better for them that's available to them. So they'll be able to look through and pick and choose what's going to be better. Um, and, that, and that's what my goal is, is to help people just understand that. And man, when I was coaching, if I, if I could have tested the whole dang team, I would have, if I would have known this back then, man, can you imagine just like that kid that can't figure out how to quote taper or mm. what's going on with food and just, or even the female that struggles with fitness so bad. And it's just, there's some females out there that just really struggle as athletes oh, yeah. with fitness and just kind of figuring that out would just be so great of on you as a coach to reduce stress and as an athlete, just to know what's going on. What age do you recommend that, you know, people could start doing something like this? Is there, is there too young or is there, you know, how do you look at it? I've had people test infants, which oh, is wow. crazy. That's so really young. super young, but say you have something kind of yucky in the, in the genes, you mm -hmm. know what to do at such a young age. So cool, right? So cool. Um, I'd say most of my clients are college to professional age athletes, but I do work with a handful of high school athletes for sure. But that kind of seems to be athlete wise, we're, we're kind of starting that in the high school realm of things. That's where they kind of figure out nutrition might be sort of important to them. Um, before that, I don't think they think about it very much. And the, the other hard part is most of the time, Growing up, your your parents are uh, the ones preparing your meals or providing your meals, uh, or putting you in a situation where um, you know they're dictating what you eat in in a sense. You know, so a lot of it would have to be early on is also educating the parents on, and that's what we get a lot at the fitter and faster. We deal with eighteen and under type kids, and the parents are the ones that are asking all these questions because they're preparing the food, right? Right. And there's some general principles you can always follow, like just the, the 30 minute window after workout, right? That's not going to be different per DNA. You want something with equal carbs, equal protein. So there's some general principles you can really apply to everybody, um, especially in those younger kids. You know, they're probably not as worried about folate or B9. We just need to start them on the healthy routine of nutrition. Um, and then when they get older, that's when they can figure out what actually works and what doesn't work and what they need. Um, and when they have kind of more of that mental capacity, Capacity. But when I'm working with anyone under 18, I make it, and I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's legal that I need to do this, but I always talk with the parents. Anytime we're reviewing the DNA, it's me and the parents. Anytime we're communicating through text, through email, it's me and the parents. I just feel safer that way with everything that goes on in the world right now. And um, I just think that's ethically right to include the parents because they need to know too what's going yeah. on with the child. Talk to me about some other markers, maybe some some things that might be surprising on there, some things that I'm not aware of. Like what are, what are some of the other things that yeah. come up in this? That's a good question. So some of the big common ones, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here, are the vitamin deficiency. So vitamin D, vitamin B6. So B6 and B12, the B vitamins are really big with athletes. Um, so just in general, you know, most people don't understand what those actually do. Like B6 is huge because it helps you sleep. It helps you produce melatonin. It helps you recover. Um, it's linked to heart disease if you neglect your B6 and B 
B vitamins for a long time and it starts to attack your heart. Um, it, it just recovery wise, you just can't emotionally and mentally recover well if your B6 is low. Okay. Um, B12, the energy vitamin, we see if you're low in B12 genetically because of mutations that don't allow you to absorb properly or transport the nutrient properly, you probably have really low energy. So how can we get the right type of B12 in your body? And there's different types of B12 that are better for athletes, for non-athletes. Um, the recovery one, as I mentioned, is really a big one on athletes. The, and the, the athletic gene too, that's, that's a big one. When it comes to fitness, um, we test what I call the obesity gene, how well your body wants to stay lean and fit. You know, and some people have that, they understand that you know, why they can't go and eat McDonald's every day and it shows up on their body. It's just genetics. So for athletes, those are some of the big ones. Um, fat loss with exercise, that gene, it tells us, you know, how long you're hanging on to muscle once you stop utilizing those muscles. So how that applies to an athlete, Brett would be, um, say you stop lifting into taper and you're the person that loses weight and loses muscle mass. You go into your big meat feeling weak and little. You don't want that. So this tells us genetically what's happening with your muscles during that time where you're stop, stop lifting. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of that started that, that stuff is really huge on the athlete side of things and the food sensitivities, obviously we test fats, carbs, dairy. I can't tell you how many people have tested lactose intolerant and had no idea. And so we remove most of that, most of that dairy and they feel so much better. It's oh, they do. You, you find that those results happen pretty quickly. Yeah. So we remove some things and they can keep some dairy. There's some that has really low lactose content, um, in it. So like pizza, mozzarella cheese is really low lactose content. So they're probably okay eating pizza here and there, but when they just get rid of the milk and the yogurt and the butter, they just, oh, so much better, just better digestion. It's amazing. You know, I'm glad you're working with college athletes now, because I, I found part of my frustration was always that, uh, you know, they'd come into this college setting and they'd be doing everything possible to train their body physically harder than they've ever trained before. You know, a lot of them are coming from high schools where maybe they're doing six workouts a week and they're coming into college and now they're, they're balancing school and swimming and weights and traveling. And I mean, a massive amount of time load, physical time load. And yet it takes them four years to finally get out of college and figure out, Oh, maybe I could be better in my diet. You know, like yeah. diet's almost like the last thing that they're really concerned about in, in trying to figure out and tweak. And then when they get out of college and they become a professional athlete and they start focusing on the diet, their performances just go through the roof and, yeah. and, and it just changes them completely, right? Right, right. And as you age, clearly, I mean, it's just diet becomes more and more important. The more you focus on it, the better it's going to be. That game, that little margin of, of error in your everything you do outside the pool gets smaller and smaller. So mm -hmm. you can improve the diet. Obviously, it's going to help. But yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, if I was coaching, I would test every freshman. And then mm. just grandfather them in, right? Every freshman gets tested. And so, you know, you can help them and they can understand. They can just filter out all the other noise and nonsense that they're hearing and say, this is what I know I need. I'm going to go to the dining hall and you're going to splurge. I'm not the kind of person that's going to say you can't ever have cake or Oreos, even if we see they're not great for you. There's, you got to live your life too. But 
we got to balance that. And most of your plate needs to look like this. Mm -hmm. You have that idea going into the dining hall. They don't have to go through all that nonsense that they experience their freshman year. If they're committed to making the changes and to sticking with it, you know, not everybody is. And you probably had athletes like that too. Well, uh, you know, I coached a guy named Bruno Fratis who uh, in the past five years has swum 21 seconds more often than any other person in history. Um, I mean, I think he's, I think he's up to about 85 times swimming 21 seconds and all of his competitors in the, in the last few years, especially when he was working with me, you know, really pretty much every time he dove in the pool, he'd swim at 21 and his competitors were saying, how are you so consistent? How are you doing this? And Bruno's only, you know, six foot one. He's not the biggest sprinter on earth. But he's always fit, he's always ripped, and he's always swimming fast, and they couldn't figure it out. And what I said to them is, Bruno's the most professional athlete in terms of the word professional that I've ever worked with, because he actually takes his diet and nutrition, his body, this Formula One car, he takes it more serious than anyone I've ever met. And um, I mean, in terms of what he does in his diet, I still don't understand all of it. I mean, he's, he's kind of an out there expert on all this. You and him could probably have some great conversations, but I mean, he's so incredible, but it just really showed up in his consistency in his performances. And when he tweaked that, then it was almost like he created separation with all of his other competitors. They may have been just as big, just as strong, trained maybe even better than I was training Bruno, but his consistency was far better than theirs because he really had managed this diet side of the the sport, the aspect of it that everybody else was kind of overlooking. Yeah, and this really reminds me of Caleb because, you know, Caleb's this great athlete, right? I mean, you could mm-hmm. argue he's the best male athlete in the world possibly mm-hmm. right yeah, now. He's sure. just outstanding. And it, it really taught me a lot. And I share this with people quite often is he he's just that expert, right? He's got the Formula One race mm-hmm. body. He's mm-hmm. just awesome. But yet he came to me looking for more guidance. He wasn't mm-hmm. broken. He wasn't even halfway there. He yep. was literally trying to gain that edge. And he did everything I said. He was such a student. You know, we're still in the process of of working together, but a lot of the work has been done. Mm -hmm. Now he's kind of more in that implementation process, but he would text me questions. He still does text me questions. He wants to know. He Mm -hmm. wants to fix it. And I think that's the difference. I think it applies to so many things in life, right? Is that he's the high level thinker. And that's why he is where he's at because Mm -hmm. he'll do whatever you say. I sent him an action plan. He read through it and he ordered everything I suggested. (laughs) He didn't even have to, they were just suggestions. He goes, I did everything you said. Now what? Yeah. I (laughs) love those athletes. And and then everyone else around them wonders why they're so good, but they're not willing to do what they they do. And he lists and he wanted my info. He wanted my help yeah, to help yeah. him in that little, you know, maybe it's just a 1% margin, but for him, 1% could mean so many different things. So I just, yeah, I yeah. love working with him because it really taught me just that mindset and seeing that, you know, and, and a lot of the other athletes that I have worked with Enzo Martinez out of Florida too. He's, he was the same way. Just tell me what to do, Erica, and I'll do it. And so yeah. it was just really cool to, to experience that and see that and understand why they are so good and why other people maybe haven't quite reached that level yet. And I love studying people like them. I love (laughs) under, I like trying to understand people like them and I, and I love trying to explain them to other people. Like I I look at a Tom Brady who is 43 years old and, 
And, you know, he's just taken a team to the playoffs again, you know, a new team and, and, and the way that he treats his body. And then you look at LeBron James and people said, you know, how is he so consistent year after year? He's a beast. They call him a freak of nature, these types of things. But when you really study these two guys, they are so freaky about the way that they treat their bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. it's that Caleb Dressel mentality where it's like, tell me what to do. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to figure it out, but I'm, I'm interested in getting this George Bravel calls it the organism. I'm, I'm interested in getting my organism to peak performance and that takes effort. It takes so much effort and a mindset that a lot of people don't have out of fear, out of financial, um, maybe responsibility, but I think it's just that mindset of I'm all in. And that's a lot of those people, Kirsten Mites, I'm all in, you know, you just tell me what to do and, I, and I'm there, you know, and that's why she's been so successful. And, you know, Bicel obviously is retired, but she ha- she's got that same attitude. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. And yeah. And it applies to her swimming, it applies to her life, um, just in, in all aspects. And I just call that high-level thinkers or high-level performers in all aspects of their life. And it's just neat to see that. And I appreciate that because, if man, if you had a whole team of college team of Kirsten Mites and Caleb Dressels, I mean, and Jonathan Tibers, you'd, you'd just be money. You'd never lose because they're just those kind of kids. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, you're, you're talking about high level performers and you're not giving yourself enough credit here because you, you've, you just talked about putting out a, a cookbook. I mean, uh, that, you know, when I, when I first think of that, you think, oh, that's easy. But then you start to think of the reality of putting out a, a book. It's so daunting and overwhelming. Um, so like, tell, tell me about that process. How'd that go down? Uh, wow. It, it wasn't really intended to be a cookbook. Um, I was working with clients, athletes, non-athletes, and they always asked me for recipes. Hey, Erica, do you have a recipe for lasagna? That's healthy for me. Do you have a recipe for soup? You know, I just, I love Chick-fil-A. What kind of recipe can you give me that tastes like Chick-fil-A? So mm-hmm. I kept having to like come up with these recipes or find them and then alter them to make them healthier. So eventually I created this kind of PDF document of all these recipes. And I thought to myself, what if, you know, when I'm working with clients, I had a professional type of book, mm. either a digital or physical, and I have both that I can give them that they get with my program or they can just purchase on their own um, as well if they're not working with me as a client. And so that's how it really came about. I just took what I did and then created it into a published published book. And, wow, that could be so uh, useful for, for um, all swimmers anywhere. So where what's the name of the book and where could they get it? So it's called Let There Be Delicious Food and everything is like crock pot or Instapot on the meal. So it's like intended to be super easy, super low number of ingredients, very little time. A lot of the snacks are great pre-workout, post-workout, desserts, all healthy type of stuff. You don't even have to bake most of them, which athletes don't usually like to spend a lot of time in the kitchen typically. So they can get it on my website, which is bineywellnessbuilding.net under the work with me page. And then there's a um, link to, you can get the the physical copy, but if somebody wants a digital copy, um, I I offer that through email, which is the easiest way to to send it to people. Definitely. Perfect. Well, I've got a couple of athletes that I'm going to get you to start working with that (laughs) definitely need that extra edge. We're all looking for it, especially this year in, in 21, the Olympic year, we're all looking for that extra little bit, you know? I know if in the edge of you need it as a coach, you need it as an athlete, you need it as a parent. Yeah. I'm glad you said that actually like the coach specifically, because you had talked earlier about being burnt out at Purdue working there for seven years. And this is another topic that I wanted to touch on because I had told you privately that, you know, I, I experienced that burnout being at Auburn for 10 years 
And what I, what I found is I spent all of my time and energy caring about the mental health of my athletes and the physical health and, and um, the emotional health, everything. And, and I didn't spend hardly any time on that myself. I just completely neglected my own. So like this could actually be useful for coaches as well. If we just, if we, look into these markers and start to figure out where am I hurting myself as a coach? I could, I could wake up happier. I could work healthier. I could find ways that I can, you know, eat better and then get my own performance to a whole nother level. And maybe, maybe I wouldn't have to be, you know, look at the job and say, well, I need to quit this job. I need to go do something else because I'm burnt out. Maybe I could sustain myself longer in that period of time. Right. Right. Definitely. The one thing that the coaches might not, not like is it does test caffeine sensitivity. So <laughs> the ones we are drinking eight cups of coffee a day or more. Well, we like- end up doing that because, because we're so burnt out, right? right. That we're oh, like, I need coffee. Total. I need coffee. And like, it's like this process of like putting trash into your body and right. lifting it up and then crashing it down again with all the junk food that you put in there as well. Right. Right. And I thought as a coach, I did a pretty good job. I mean, it's life. You're going to ebb and flow, right? You're going to always eat kind of poor for a while and then get back on track and eat well. And I, I talked that, about that with people. You're going to go through the holidays. You're going to go on vacation. You're going to have time after the Olympics where you're just going to indulge. And that's okay. That's life. You should do that. Um, but then, you know, the 80% of your year should be, should be pretty good. You should do pretty, pretty good job eating. But as a coach, yeah. I mean, you just are a sucker to the hospitality room, you know, Mm -hmm. the Texas roadhouse butter rolls. I mean, I was a sucker for those. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. And it's just, you just go in there and you eat because you're bored, you're hungry, you're stressed, your athlete just didn't make finals. And Mm so, you know, there's sweets everywhere. There's food everywhere. And it's just knowing what you need to do is, is definitely helpful to, to avoid and to limit and it's, it's definitely helpful as a coach because man, that burnout is, is real. And I think every coach probably experiences it at some, some, every level, you know, every level there are people are burned out and especially up at that power five level. I mean, which you, yeah. you know, you experienced as well. And I just had to be, had to be done. I was just fried. So, well, fried. I think that that part of the story is a shame that you had to be done because I think you're a great coach and we need great female leaders in, in the sport of swimming. You know, there's not enough of them. And so it's always a shame to lose any coach. I mean, I'm out of it too. So I, it kind of sucks that I had to yeah. get out yeah. of it because I was burnt out, but, um, but any coach, but especially a female coach. So now I think just looking back on what, you know, what are, what are some other ways you feel like you could have, helped yourself to maybe stay in the sport? That's a great question. You know, and I left the sport really satisfied. I got to be a head coach, you know, when I was 26, I was the youngest division one head coach in the country. (laughs) I was one of four women coaching a men's team as a head coach. And you got to win a conference championship with a men's team and in many, very few coaches ever get to win at their respective level, but you know, a championship, whether that's D3, D1, you know, an NC2A championship winning in your respective league or conference or level is still the same feeling, right? It's still, it never goes away. It's, and it's super fun. And I, and I enjoyed that. And I, got to experience that. So I never left the sport thinking, Oh, I got to achieve this. I got to, got to get this job or I got to, I got to go work with this person to feel satisfied. I never did that. But looking back, you know, I think the job itself lends to insane amount of hours 
right? You're not going to deny that. And mm-hmm. the time on deck, when I was coaching at, at Milwaukee, we were running double workouts in the afternoon because we had eight lane pool. Yeah. You have to run double workouts every afternoon and mornings. And, you know, I, I think there's just some aspects that you can't change. They're just there. Um, but looking back time-wise, I probably would have tried to you know take more time off and that seems just bizarre when you're in it like i can't take time off yeah yeah i can't leave i got to talk to this recruiter i need to go to michigan and and meet with this recruiter you just you don't feel like you can and then looking back the reality is yes you can because if you surround yourself with good staff and when i was at purdue i didn't have control of that because i'm i wasn't the head coach at the time but as a head coach i thought i you know, I thought I did a good job of balancing that with my assistant. I wouldn't come in for every morning workout. You know, when I was the assistant at, at Milwaukee, when I was coaching, I didn't come in any mornings, but I had all the recruiting. So we would balance, you know, and I think at the power five, there really isn't a whole lot of balance. It's no. just, just do it. And, and yeah. going working for John was great. John's an awesome, awesome guy. He's a great boss. He's a good family man. You know, and I think he's kind of more, one of the more rare types of, of people out there that believes in the family and, and kind of a little bit more of life balance, but it's still, it's just the job, but yeah. I would have had to take more time off and enjoy more time off and not worry about, you know, what media outlet said, what recruit committed to where, and they were supposed to come visit us next week and stress about that. And <laughs> which recruit is at which football game right now watching, you know, the mm. team win and having a great experience. And, oh God, you can give me flashbacks. Yeah, like I stop. feel like, uh, I, I feel like I'm back in Vietnam. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't miss that. The no. reality of burnout is I felt that I had invested all my emotional physical, mental strength into just sustaining what was moving forward. I had nothing left to think of new things, to be creative, to think outside the box. It was just like this stagnant mode. And I, I think that's what really killed me is the stagnant mentality. Yeah. And I hate that. I just, I'm a thinker and I like to build and create. And it just became to a point I couldn't, I had nothing left. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've seen the news just recently where Margot Gear has been uh, named head coach of the University of Alabama, both men and women. Um, She's she's coming into the program with uh, very, very little experience. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm worried for her. You know, I'm going to just throw it out there. Uh, I know the job and uh, it's not about picking up a stopwatch and writing a practice. It goes way, way beyond that. and, and I, f- I feel for her. I fear for her. Uh, it it uh, is going to consume her like she's never experienced anything in her life. Um, I really worry about it, to be quite honest. I mean, how do you feel about it? You know, I, I would definitely um, feel, I feel a little bit of that same thing, right? It's just, it's so overwhelming. And I was never a head coach at a power five. So I, I don't have that same, you know, experience that no. you quite did on that. Um but it's, oh gosh, the job is so hard, so overwhelming. And, you know, I can't say she's not right for the job because no one knows, you know, the only one that knows is if she knows, and maybe she's already even nervous. I don't know. I was, I was 26 and became a head coach and I had male coaches on the deck tell me that a girl shouldn't be coaching a men's team. Mm-hmm. You know, no one believed I should have the job. And then I proved everybody wrong. And 
was pretty fun winning while all of those guys were watching us. And it was, yeah. that was pretty, that was pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm an, I'm an advocate for it. I think that's great that she gets the opportunity, but for her personal life and um, me- mental health and mm-hmm. physical health, I think, you know, hopefully she's got some good advisors and good people advising her on, on kind of how to go into this. Cause it is, it's just vicious and brutal and, it's just tough. So I, I applaud her. I think it's great opportunity, but it's, it's definitely going to be a learning experience for her and as it was for us all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really my only fear. I don't, I don't doubt that she could do the job and she's going to be, I mean, she's a high level performer Yeah, for sure. No yeah. doubt. It's just the experience level that I, I worry about. It's like, wow. I mean, it took me uh, four or five years of making just, just learning on the job and making mistakes at Auburn. And, and when you're in a position like that, People don't really give you a lot of time to make, they don't want you to make mistakes. You know, it's kind of like, you need to get this right now. And, and I wasn't ready for the job and I'd been coaching, you know, three years, I think at that time, which, which is still not enough time. Um, so anyway, I, I think she's got a work cut out for her. And I hope, like you said, I hope she puts good people around her and I'm sure she'll, uh, I'm sure she'll attack it um, with that same you know, mentality that she had as an athlete as well of like, Hey, the odds are against me. I gotta, I gotta figure it out. And, she'll, she'll do a good job. I'm sure. I think she will. It just, the recruiting piece is tough too. You don't, you look like you have no experience, even though, you know, you may be absolutely right. You know, I, I had a lot of parents, especially of men question me as a, Mm -hmm. as a head coach at that, at that age and being a woman, you know, and just really not having that much experience. Like, can you, can you do this? My, my son doesn't like to swim for women, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's just, she's going to run up against some of those things that uh, unfortunately just are in this world. And She'll yeah. probably do a great job. I saw her as a volunteer at Ohio State, and I thought her interactions with the athletes were always really, really great. I mean, you just yeah. could tell she's just different, right? Yeah. Just a different kind of person in a, in a great way. So sure. I, I hope she does awesome. Sure. Now, listen, what does 2021 bring for you? What are you, what are you looking forward to? Oh my gosh, 2020 was awesome. I and mean, most people don't say that, but <laughs> it was great. I mean, I, I grew a huge probably 10 times our sales in 2020 and got to work with so many great people. And man, it was just an awesome, awesome year. So 2021, I just hope we can continue to grow the way we have. And, you know, some of these people that I've worked with that we can continue to help their friends and family, because right now I do no advertising. I do no more Facebook ads. I can't really handle it because of all the referrals I get, which is awesome. So people leave me super pleased and then they refer other people, which is awesome. So I'm just hoping we can continue to help people's family and friends. In the last year, I had a goal of hitting 500,000 in, in sales and we're really close. And what we got today's the last day of the year. Um, so I don't know if we'll actually hit it, but we're really close. So, you know, next year I'd love to double that and, and go business-wise to a million and and be there and, and just be a huge person and in, in expert to athletes and help teach them like getting on a circuit of, of, of speaking and teaching people like you're talking about fitter and faster you know how how can I get into something like like that where I can work with younger kids and and teach them things that are easy and fun and do it in a way where no one else understands the sport and I think that's why working with me is attractive to people because I get the sport where most people don't. Yeah. And so I understand swimming and I understand it. So I'd love to work in, in more ways to help educate people. I've done quite a few club team talks virtually with teams. And I'd love to do more of that because that's enjoyable and getting, getting to those kids young and just getting some of those ideas into their brain. So 
I love what we got moving on the train with the DNA program and then just kind of doing more education and speaking and coaching. I really coaching to, to yeah. the younger kids, the younger generations and the high school kids. Awesome. Well, listen, Erica, I appreciate it. Uh, you've just come on the number one swimming podcast in the world. So I'm sure you'll get a little bit of business out of this. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I hope. In my world. <laughs> that's, that's what I tell myself anyway. Um, but listen, I appreciate it. Uh, good luck in 21. And thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, Brett. It's nice talking with you. You too. Take care. Bye.